the first John. We're coming to chapter five, the first um, five verses, and I want to go through that uh, with you. Thinking about the song we just sang, uh, this text certainly uh, correlates and fits that theme that because of Christ, we we really live. We we. And I'm excited about sharing with you 1 John chapter 5, the first five verses, because it shows us what we're born into as believers. And sometimes we, we miss the contrast between the believer and the non-believer. And because of that, we, we fail to be encouraged and excited and uplifted. I want us to, to get past some of that this morning. Uh, I was uh, years ago invited to be a, a speaker at a, a business uh, board meeting for... Farmers Telephone Company down in the Sumter, Williamsburg County area. And um, when I got the invitation asking me to come speak, I, I said, well, it sounds like they need a motivational speaker, and that's not really me, and I'm, I'm not a jokester. I don't have any jokes to tell. And so I asked the question back before I accepted. I said, what do you hope to accomplish by having me come and speak uh, to the board members of the uh, co-op farmers telephone and they said well we, ju- we just hope you'll come pump people up about how to have a more successful life and uh, I said okay I get it I th- that's kind of where I thought you were going with that uh, I said do you understand by inviting me that what I'm going to have to tell you is that what you need is not motivation what you need is regeneration and I said, that's going to be my message. And it might not fit what you want. But your need, if you want a more successful life, an abundant life. Jesus said in John 10, verse 10, he says, I have come that you might have life and in him more abundant life. The abundant life you're craving comes from regeneration, being born into Christ, not through motivation. And I want us to see the beauty of that, that we're born into, and I've given you three points, we're born into, so you were, you know, you know regeneration, you're born again. You're, you're dead in your sins, you're born into Christ, and into Christ you're born into a prevailing organization. That's the church, we love it. Second, you're born into a prevailing standard, that's the commands of God, we keep them. And then third, you're born into a prevailing relationship, and it only takes faith. By believing in Christ, this relationship with Him is eternal. Let me show you all three points real quick. Let's read together, and I'll kind of point it out. In 1 John chapter 5, beginning at verse 1, hear God's Word. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. That's regeneration. You are born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of Him. That's the church. So if you have regeneration, you're born of God, then you're born into a relationship with the church. Everybody else that's born of God. You're born into this prevailing organization why I call it prevailing and abundant? Because Jesus says the gates of hell will not prevail against my church. It's one, we, the church is one of the only 
uh, eternal entities in life. Uh, the church never fails. It prevails. Belonging to the church, it's worth our pursuit. We are born into it through being born of God. Verse 2. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey His commandments. We're born into a love of God, His church, and His commandments. When we love God and obey His commandments. Catch this next verse, verse 3. For this is the love of God. What if I'd have given you a fill in the blank? This is the love of God. Fill in the blank. What would you have put? Define for me the love of God. That text says this is the love of God that we keep His commandments. Really? The love of, to know the love of God is to know obedience. We're born into a lifestyle of obedience to God, a standard to His commands. So, and that enables us to stay on track. And as those who are on track, we prevail. The, the commands are the same judgment standard in heaven as on earth. We prevail by owning that standard, embracing that standard, living that standard. And then it goes on. Verse 4. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes. This is abundant. Overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. How do we come to, faith? How do we come to Christ? By faith you are saved. It's not of works, lest anyone should boast. It's by faith. We overcome by faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes, has faith, that Jesus is the Son of God? Now, let me unpack each of those for you so that you can begin to embrace them and see the beauty of having a prevailing life, prevailing as the church, prevailing with the right standard, prevailing with the right relationship, united to God through Christ by faith alone. Uh, the process starts not by motivation. Starts by regeneration. So if you're here this morning say, well, I, I was hoping I'd get a good motivational message that would just encourage me. That's not why we are here. It's not why I'm here. My job is to tell you of your need for Christ. You need to be regenerated if you want that abundant life. You need to be born again into a relationship with Christ that starts and changes everything. We see our place then in the church, in God's standard, and in a relationship with Him by faith. First of all, we're born into a prevailing organization, the church. The direct results of being born of God is you're in His family. It's called adoption. We're adopted into the family of God. We're born into His family. That means we have other family. We have brothers and sisters. Often we call one another brothers or sisters or fathers in the faith, mothers in the faith. It's family terms because that's what it is. Um, we are in a family, an organization that uh, is the organism of God's church, His people. Um, we learn to be churchmen. 
church women, uh, people who are in love with the church. We've got to get out of this. You know, a lot of people are teaching us just to be the best you can be. No, we, we need to be the best church for God and His glory. Our job is not to be individualistic. Our job is to be united to one another as the family of God. We're born into that. We're born out of that depraved, individualistic lifestyle and into a beautiful family of God where all the members are brothers and sisters in love with one another, thinking of others first and growing together into Christ. That's what we're born into. This is not a new theme uh, for John. Let's look at a few pl other places. Look at chapter 2, 1 John, beginning at verse 9. It says, Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother, that's a liar. You're not a Christian. You're not in the church. If you say you're in the light, you say you're in the light of Christ, but you hate your brother. That's, that just doesn't happen. Uh, for true believers. Verse 10, whoever loves his brother abides in the light and in him. There is no cause for stumbling, but whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and doesn't know where he's going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. See the beauty of not being blinded, being those who are in the church. Look at chapter 3, uh, verse 10. It says, by this it is evident who are the children of God, and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. There's two things that come back in chapter 5, but we looked at that passage. It says, you know, sometimes say, I don't know if that person's a Christian or not. God says, well, I do. It's, it's evident. It's, it's extremely obvious who are Christians, those who practice right, do not practice righteousness, they're not, can't be. And those who don't love the church, can't be. It's evident. Because that's one of the things you're born into. You don't have to work for it. You become a brother or sister in Christ when you're regenerated. You don't have to do a thing for it. And you start loving the beauty of that relationship you have with Christ and His church, His people. Um, one other passage, chapter 4, verse 7 and 8. Beloved, let us love one another. Love's from God. Whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. This is just something we do. We love one another. Down the same uh, chapter, uh, verse 12, no one has, has ever seen God. If, uh, if we love one another, God abides in us, and His love is perfected in us. Where He's beginning to go there, and we just saw that a few weeks ago, is you haven't seen God, but you see, his, you see, you see God in his, his people. You, the God you can't see, you can see through His people. You love His church. And those who get that love the church, because in loving the church, you're loving Christ. How can I love Christ? Let's love one another. Love, we're born into that. Uh, any of you who have parents, you, you know how you hate seeing your kids fight one another. Well, can you just love one another? 
how much delight and pleasure it brings you as parents when they are loving one another. And God says, I want that. I want my church to be an entity that loves one another. So he puts that love within us. Um, The family of God doesn't abandon the family of God. Never. We love one another. God doesn't abandon his family. He loves us to the end. I shared that a few weeks ago as well. John 13, verse 1, the beauty of Jesus saying to God the Father, Hey, I came to earth, took the body you created for me, um, and I did exactly your will. I obeyed everything you wanted. I loved, and then he points out, and I loved my own who were in the world to the end. Never abandoned them. I stuck with them. Regardless of the persecution, affliction that faced me. I loved my own. And he still does that. Um, I think once I finish 1 John, I'm going to go to 2 John, 3 John. Those are short, one message books kind of thing. And then maybe go on to Philippians. And as I think about going to Philippians and going through verse by verse, one of the verses that just keeps coming to me is, uh, as, as we have verses like this in, in 1 John, that this is just who we are. One of the things we are in Philippians 2 is we are a people who do not grumble or complain. You know, you don't have a passage that commands you to complain about the church, right? You've never seen a command that says, make sure you grumble about the church. We don't grumble or complain about the church. Why? It's not our job. We are born into love. We're born into a loving relationship with one another. I remember this uh, uh, phrase by Ruth Graham, Billy Graham's wife. Uh, It was just to the point. They were doing an interview of Ruth when Billy was still alive uh, and uh, asking her, you know, what's it like being married to this uh, famous evangelist and godly man? Um, And then they got in, does he ever mess up? She says, oh yeah, he messes up. He's still a sinner. Well, what do you do about that? And here's her statement. She says, I learned a long time ago, my job is to love Billy. My job is not to fix Billy. That's God's job. God's in charge of sanctification. My job is to love my husband. And the wife's job is to love her husband, the Husband's job is to love his wife. It's, it's, we know that. Well, it comes up all the time in marriage counseling. Quit trying to fix one another. That's not your job. Take that assignment off your list. You don't make him better. He doesn't make you better. That's not your job. Trust God to do that. You have been brought into a relationship where your job is to love one another. Leave the sanctification to God. And life is so much better that way. We're, that enables us to prevail together. And that's what First John's talking about. We're born of God. And as those who are born of God, we love one another. We love those who are born of God. Now, how do you do that? Think about that just practically. How do you love the church? 
When you obey God's commands of, of giving, you generously give to the church 10% and above. You're loving the church. When you, because you're keeping the lights on, you're building the buildings, you're promoting the worship, you're paying for staff, all of that is pouring out love for the church. When you uh, support the businesses in this room, you're supporting other Christians who then tithe and give back to the church. All of that's loving the church, you see. When you go to a small group and encourage somebody, you're loving the church. When you cook meals and take, that's loving the church. When you pray for one another, that's loving the church. When you keep people's children for them, nursery or at home or wherever, that's loving the church. There's so many ways to love the church. Don't let that phrase just fly through you one ear and out the other. They're practical steps, and I'm just trying to get you started thinking, oh yeah, I can do this, I can do this, I can do this, I can do this. That's loving the church. The focus is, how do I build up the church? Jesus says, as we love one another, we build up, Ephesians 4, by supplying to the church some ministry. And as I supply that ministry, I build up the church through love. And it grows. And the gates of hell do not prevail. The church stands. That's the organization we have been born into. One that is guaranteed to receive love. If you feel at times you're lonely, you're just, man, I don't feel like anybody loves me. It's amazing the people I evaluate with them about that situation. I said, well, what's, what's your involvement in the church? Well, I hadn't been in a while. Why not? You know, just excuse after excuse, grumble and complain. You know, you know, that's not your job to grumble and complain about the church. Your job is to be there and love it. And guess what? When you get in the church and love her, you're loved by her and loved by God. And you begin to experience a life of abundance that's prevailing because you're now plugged in to the only lasting, prevailing organization in existence. You know, the kingdom of God, the church, is the only organization in every nation, tribe, and tongue. And it never passes away. Never passes away. That's what we are a part of. Born into a prevailing organization, the church. Can't help but to love her. Second, born into a prevailing standard. Verses 2 and 3 says, We love God and obey His commandments, for this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments. And His commandments, they're not burdensome. They're not even hard to do. We do them, but it's not because we're trying to achieve something. We don't earn life with God through the commandments. We do the commands because we have life with God. The commands are God's love language. That's what pleases Him. We talked about it as we studied the Ten Commandments a while back. That You need to see them as, as God saying, I have redeemed you already. Regeneration. We respond, how could we ever repay you? What can we do to please you? He says, keep the commandments. It's, it's my love language. 
It's a way of loving me. Not to, you don't earn a thing by it. I've already bought your salvation. Christ has already died in your place. But being obedient will be consistent with my nature. This is who I am. This is what I like and adore. These things in my commands. Um, before regeneration, we were all like sheep going astray. Isaiah 53 talks about. Going astray from God's commands. With salvation in Christ, we're on track. And the track is obedience to God's commandments. Um, you know, uh, I've always thought that the Outback slogan, it was just utter foolishness. But I understand what they're trying to do. They're catering to the sinner's rebellion. You know, the, the slogan that no rules, just right. In our sinful, rebellious state, we don't like commands. We don't like God's rules. We are in constant rebellion. If, if you want to get a lot of non-Christians together and eat steak and potato, you know, tell them no rules, just right. But then you've got to come up with a rule. What's the difference between medium rare and rare? Or well done. Yeah. There's got to be a rule, a standard, Right? And, and they don't even think about it. I said, is that not just utter foolishness? But that's the foolishness of the world. We come to a very perfect and righteous standard that God himself wrote with his own finger. That's perfect in every way. And we love it because it never causes us to fail. It keeps us running straight to God. And it's a relationship of love. It's Abba, Father. It's... Daddy, Daddy, I love you, I love you. And he says, I love you, son. I love you, daughter. That relationship grows as we use the language, the love language that God has given us, a language of pleasing him. Our whole nature is different. It's cheerful. It's complete because it is obedient. Um, look at that Philippians 2 passage I was referring to just a minute ago, just a minute. Philippians 2 uh, verse 12 and 13. Philippians 2, 12 and 13 uh, says this, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, think about that, how, how you being described, somebody's writing to you and saying, uh, man, I love you. And I just, it, when I think of you, I think of you as somebody who's obedient. You always obey. Always. What a description. That's a description of the church. You're always obeying. So now, not only as in my presence, even when I'm away. I'm your leader. I don't, I don't even have to be there and you obey. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. You're already saved. And you're just working it out. And the cool thing about it is God's at work in you. And when God works in you, what does he want? He wants to do his will. A written will called commandments. That's what he wants to do. And he's doing it. And he's doing it for who? For his good pleasure. So, wow, I get to please God. And he tells me how to please him. So I'm not in this foolishness of the world 
like in marriage, you'll have husbands come in, I just don't know how to please her. Or wives, I just don't know how to please him. Can't do anything right. That's so foolish, God says. Let me tell you how. Let me give you clear direction. And not only will I give you clear direction, I will, I will show up. I will be in you, working in you, that which is pleasing in my sight. So that our relationship grows in beauty. And we grow more and more intimate. Because we're on the same page. We have the same standard. And we don't have to switch the standard because it got to be out of date and it doesn't apply anymore. No, it's perfect standard. It's righteous always. Doesn't need updating. Never has it changed. It is God's way for us. And back in 1 John, and it's not burdensome. Wow. You think about the brevity of God's commands, the fact that He is in us, helping us. It's not a hardship. We don't ever try to do one of God's commands and say, Oh, I just miserably failed. God must hate me. No, God says, I'm with you. I've already purchased you with my own blood. I'm not abandoning you. The love's going to keep coming. Let's, Let's keep growing. Let's keep Faithful and, and, and watch yourself transformed into the image of Christ. He, he says, I have a goal for you and, and I will succeed at it. You're not going to be a failure. You might not grow as fast as you want to right now, but you're not going to fail. My purpose, Romans 8, 29, says, I predestined you so that you would be conformed to the image of Christ. I've already determined this. You're going to be like Christ. 1 John talks about, 1 John 3 says, when we see Him, we will be like Him. We're not going to fail. We're going to be like Him. As we stay with His standard, as we stay in His church, we're going to prevail. And life's going to become more and more abundant. Look at a contrast. Look at um, uh, Matthew 11, verse 30, and then Matthew 23. Just so you see the two factors again. Matthew 11. Try to give that as quickly as possible. Matthew 11, verse 30 says, It's just a beautiful text. Let me back up and read verse 28. I, I really just need verse 30, but... Verse 28, Jesus says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Christ wants to rest us. He says, Take my yoke upon you. And this yoke is this union with him, him and His Word. Take it on you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and I'm lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It's not burdensome. Because in... Being united to Christ's standard, His Word, the very Word that comes out of His mouth, you're, you're yoked together with Christ. He pretty much carries the load. It's not burdensome. Being united to Christ. He doesn't dump the whole load on you. That's Him being with us. Now, con- con- contrast that with Matthew 23, verse 4. Matthew 23, verse 4 says, 
They tie up, this is the Pharisees, scribes and Pharisees. They tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and they lay them on people's shoulders. But they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger. That's religion, folks. That's not the standard of God, is to dump rules and regulations on you that are just bearing down on you and making life burdensome. When we get the commands correctly, it's like we can stand up straight. We're yoked. You remember if you've plowed with two horses or two oxen, they're yoked together. These two used to be these wooden blocks that would go around both holding them together as a team so that they, they, they pull, two can pull a lot more than one. And we're yoked with Christ. That yoke keeps the commands from being burdensome. He's, he always pulls more than our share, his share. He pulls our share too. He's working with us. It's not a burden. He says, come to me. Even, the, even the, that passage in Matthew 11, that's why I wanted to read a few verses early. Come to me. It's, you're already weary. You're already burdened. I would be foolish to dump more burdens on you. That's not what I'm doing. I'm going to take burdens off of you by uniting me to you. you. Us together will be yoked. I'll give you a perfect standard, and I'll walk with you to pull the load. I've already kept the standard. I've already succeeded. I've already won the race. I'm already victorious. I'm a conqueror. Let me walk alongside you, and you'll see the burden's not heavy. It's not great. It's consistent. False burdens are out there today. There are rules plenty today. We love God and His commands, and those are not burdensome, or we don't understand them. We don't see them and understand them as the love language that just enables us to Please God and show Him our gratitude. Um, we obey in love. First John four eighteen. Uh, we saw that a week ago. First John four eighteen. There is no fear in love, but per- perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. Whoever fears has not been perfected in love. Um, we are those who are being perfected in love, not perfected by burdens uh, or improper keeping of commands. Um, Third, let's just move on. Born into this organization, this standard, and then this kingdom by faith. Verses 4 and 5, everyone who's been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Let, let that sink in. You're an overcomer. You've overcome the world. Now, um, a lot of thoughts there, but clear, you have to have faith. You must have belief. Uh, we must trust in Christ. That's faith. That's trust. Uh, you may have heard of Christ. You may have heard of, of God, but you must trust God to be an overcomer. Uh, overcoming the world is an exclusively Christian trait. 
Because it only happens through faith. And that faith is in Christ. And that's the act. That's the life of a believer. We're constantly trusting Christ. Um, the world will tell you you're an overcomer. Uh, I turned on the news screen this morning. And picture of, I don't know, like five super yachts. All the billionaires in the world had some. It looked like they had a race see who could build the biggest yacht. Sometimes we think we overcome by wealth. I've now built the biggest boat. I've overcome others. Or I've built the biggest house or the biggest bank account. That's not what the scripture says. We overcome by faith. Faith in Christ. You don't take any of your wealth with you. When you die... You don't take your bank account. You don't take your boats. You don't take your cars. Your flesh, you don't even take your flesh. You overcome your soul, the person you are, overcomes through faith in Christ. That's where you prevail. He says, and, and he says, and, and that's who we are. We're overcomers. It's in his exclusively Christian thing. Interesting, I thought. I, I try not to bring up Greek and Hebrew too much because, you know, we don't all study it. But verse 4, everyone who has been born of God overcomes. The, the Greek word for overcome is nakao. We get from it, it's transliterated into English, Nike. Okay? And uh, our military even has Nike missiles. And it's a strategic, powerful missile that can wipe out a city 60 miles away. So think commerce, okay? I don't like that place anyway. Let's just send a Nike missile. It only takes 90 seconds from here. And it overcomes commerce. Boom. Boom. We have that kind of military ability to overcome physically. And that's the word that's here that Nike, the world, overcome the world. But he's speaking of what we're able to do, have the victory we are able to have through faith in Christ. Um, Jesus says, John 16, 33 says, don't, don't fear. Why? I overcome. I have overcome the world. He's already nike the world. In Romans chapter 8, it says, uses the Greek word, hupa nike, nakao, meaning super overcomer. You are not just an overcomer. You are super overcomers in Christ. Wow. Through, what does faith in Christ get you? You unbelievably overcome. What, what, the world, what is the world? We're not talking about the wealth of the world. We're not talking about the things of the world. John's already told us not to love the world in John chapter 2, 1 John 2. He says, the world is that system that is against God, that system of devils. 
Antichrist, false teachers, demons, deception, and death. So through faith in Christ, you are overcoming death. You're overcoming demons. You're overcoming deception. That's some serious overcoming. Wouldn't it be awesome with all that the world is feeding me to be able to know truth from deception? We overcome deception in Christ. In this world of devil's field, Martin Luther says, there's devils everywhere. There's this spiritual realm of demons always attacking. The devil is prowling about seeking someone to devour. Wouldn't it be awesome if we could overcome? Through faith in Christ, we overcome. And Satan, we'll see at the end of 1 John 5, is not even allowed to touch us. Because of faith in Christ. We overcome the demons. We overcome deception. And Haiti cannot keep us. The grave of Christ is empty. And my grave will be empty too. And everyone in Christ. We will rise to meet him. And be with him forever. What an overcoming that is. This is not... uh, just interesting or superfluous words. Who is it that overcomes the world? The one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Continual victory. I don't know about you, but I, I like not being a victim. I not I like not being overcome. I enjoy a prevailing, abundant life. I've got a good life. I got a good family. I got a good home. And some people say, well, you probably worked hard for it. You earned it. No, no, no. So you're missing it. I inherited it. I didn't earn it. It was granted me by grace. I was given a new family that prevails. I was given their standard. It's always right on target and prevails. I was given their power and this strength to overcome. It is a gift of God through Christ Jesus. I was born into it. Did not earn it. If you're here this morning say, man, I wish I had that life. You get it through being born again. Trusting Christ is your only hope, your only Lord, your only Savior. Only through Christ is this prevailing, abundant life enjoyed. Come to Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word that just literally blows our minds with the beauty of being in Christ, the significance, the daily security and rest that is ours, the mental rest, the vision of future, 
Because we are born of God. Thank you, Father, for this prevailing abundance guaranteed for all who are in Christ Jesus. For those who don't know you in this hearing, O Lord, we beg of you, draw them to yourself. Let them see their need. May they trust you now as their Lord, their Savior, their Redeemer from sin, that they might join with us, be loved by us, be loved by you, that we together may inherit all the riches that are given to those in Christ Jesus. We ask all this, O Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.